spirit is moving and you want to recognize the presence of God, take your hands and just raise them up to God. When the Lord is among us, even at home, there are no borders to where God can go and how God can move. When God is among us, we simply want to reverence his presence. That's all. We recognize that you are moving in our midst, God. And if he is moving, then miracles are happening right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you receive your miracle, whatever it might be. Just receive it. Receive whatever it is you've been asking him for. Receive your healing. Receive your breakthrough. Receive your deliverance. Receive your promise from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I'm going to do something that's a little off script. I think we're getting close. But if you have somebody on your right and your left, just reach over. Give them a quick hug. They've been waiting for that for two years. If you're comfortable with that, just give them a quick hug. Then you may be seated in the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't that feel better? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in the presence of God. That's always better than a fist bump. It's better than your elbow. We're getting there in Jesus' name. We are getting there. Welcome into the house of the Lord, everyone. Welcome to a beautiful Sunday morning worship. Those of you joining us online, welcome into the presence of God. The Lord is moving. There is a word from God. And I want you to prepare your hearts to hear from the Lord, to receive instruction for our daily lives. Here's our two-minute uh, moment of empowerment. I'm going to uh, introduce to you Anna Wintour. She is the editor of Vogue magazine. Listen to what she has to say and enjoy. Okay, Anna Winter. Hello. I know many people are curious about who I am and how I approach my work. Okay, off the table. Okay. This is a class for those who want to understand my leadership style and then understand the experiences that have helped me become an effective leader. Love that page. Triple, triple. Thumbs up. You need someone who can push you, that isn't pulling you back. I do not believe in micromanaging. It's important to empower those that are working with you because you are nothing, nothing without a good team. It's really, really important to surround yourself with a team whose opinions that you trust, who are not in any way frightened of disagreeing with you, and you have to listen. Possibly the most important meeting that we have is the one that we have when we all come back from the shows. I would love for you to come with us to one of these fashion meetings. There is always a time when you know you have to break the rules. This cover was a deeply controversial cover. But Kim and Kanye were at part of the conversation of the day. And for Vogue not to recognize that would have been a big misstep. You are leading. You are not following. And that's a very important lesson to always keep in your mind. 
you are driven by your heart, you're driven by your talent, and you're driven by your instinct. And if you start to question and look at what people are doing to the left of you or to the right of you, you are going to lose that clarity of thought. Listen to the information. At the end, it has to come from who you are. Own your decisions and own who you are, but without apology. I'm Anna Winter, and this is my masterclass. Amen. I think she was worthy of a, a hand clap, even though we don't do that every time. Did you hear? I don't know her background. I don't know if she's a believer. Did you hear all the scriptures coming out of her mouth? Do you hear that right? Remember that you are leading, you are not following. Look not to the left. And if you need the verses, I can give you the verses. You will see in today's presentation, like I said, I don't know her background. And please understand this. When we do master classes, Jesus' little excerpts, I'm not endorsing anyone. I'm not telling you to go and follow her on Twitter. I'm not telling you that she's... I'm j I just want you to listen and understand how people are thinking, whether they are believers or non-believers. I have discovered in my short tenure as a Christian that God releases principles into the world. And he's a respecter of no person. This has nothing to do with what you do on the other side of life. We know what we have to do to get there. But if you want quality of life, you got to grab the principles and put them into practice ultimately for his glory. And that's what I think God is trying to get into the minds of his people. I've given you all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness. Now go for it. And take everything that God has made available to us. So we didn't put our hands together. Every week I'd like to celebrate music and worship arts. Over here. Over here. Thank you. Thank you. That's quality worship. It's just tremendous. Today we're going to do part two. I'm going to try not to move my neck too much. I think the mic is popping a little bit. And so I'm going to try to be as statuesque as possible part two of present christianity what are we talking about we're talking about the necessity of those who believe to be present in the world in an active way to be seen to be heard to be understood and to be directors of this world unapologetically because who better to lead the world that god created than those who are in relationship with god it is a huge mistake to allow those who don't know god to lead the world because the end result is they're going to lead the world in the direction that they're going and if they're walking in darkness the world is going to go in darkness if the blind lead the blind both fall into a into a ditch so the wake-up call for the body of Christ is not to be saved to sit around to say well I'm gonna live a very high moral life which we should and then I'm gonna wait for the Lord to pull me out of here but no he saves me from this world to thrust me back into the world as a new creature. When I go back into the world, my assignment is transformation. I will make mistakes, absolutely. I will stumble along the way, but if I confess my faults, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And he'll tell me, you know, he'll tell me, get back up again. And then I will say to him, I shall not die, but I shall live. And because I'm living, I shall declare the works of the Lord. 
Let's talk about being present. Am I reaching anyone in this presentation? I want to be present in this world. I don't really need a name in the world, so to speak. He has given me his name. That's sufficient. I'm not looking for fame in this world, but my meat is to do his will and to finish the work that he gave me. So let's talk for a little bit. We're going to do what I'm going to say to you as just a theology, just a quick study of high places again. Last week, what did we talk about? The fact that if you look at Genesis chapter 4, chapter 3, chapter 2, you will see the Bible speak about the fall of humanity. You may hear that being used a lot. Adam fell, not literally, but from an estate that God put him, he fell from that position. And as a result of that, Satan intervened in the world. Paul will pick this up later in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and he will say that Satan has now become the God of this world. And his job is to blind the mind, not the eyes, but the minds of those who are in darkness, lest they would see and understand. So watch, in the Bible, you see first with your mind before you see with your eyes. If your mind is darkened, you cannot see. Doesn't matter what, you, I got 20, 20, you can't see, not what God wants you to see. And then I also showed you in Genesis chapter 4, you can look at that, how Satan moves into a group of men and women who have given themselves wholly over to him. And they have, can I say this? They have allowed him to adopt them. Jesus will pick this up later on. He says, you are of your father, the devil. That's a paradoxical statement because the devil has not created anyone. So they have adopted him and he begins to teach them the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of darkness. And he unleashes them in the world, teaches them capacity, teaches them legacy, everything they need to know to destroy the earth so that God does not get the glory out of what he has created. I want you to make this commitment as long as I'm alive, God will get the glory. That's all you got. God will be glorified. In my life and once you do that God will watch he will fight for you he will keep you alive to make sure that what he created you for he will receive that so let's talk a little bit about these high places because this is where Satan operates before greater than jumping inside people and yes he does want to get in people he wants to get into social structures societal high places some of us are in those high places and we don't even understand that those high places aren't controlled by us they're not even controlled by the people that you see listen to what paul teaches and this is a scripture that i think should be paramount in the minds of every believer he says in ephesians 6 for we wrestle not against if you're close to someone i want you to just take them and just squeeze their elbow their arm their hand just squeeze them if you can reach them just what are you doing? You're feeling flesh and blood. So right away you know that the person beside you, anyone that feels like what you just felt, that's not your enemy. Even if they behave like it, and from time to time they might, but they are not the enemy. At best, they're being used by the enemy. But they are not. And once you wake up and realize that they are not the enemy, you will not spend time fighting them. Because that is a futile war that has no spoils whatsoever. For we wrestle not against people. 
but against, watch these things, principalities. Those are ruling territorial spirits. If you'd go on the map, you will see that the country of Monaco, it's called the principality of Monaco. Anywhere you have a principality, that ruling spirit has been given or allocated a territory. So once, once you understand that, you will understand that Satan has, watch, mapped the earth. He has divided up the earth and he has allowed through the fallen angels, each of those principalities to have territories. That's significant when you understand anything about spiritual warfare. He says we wrestle against powers, against rulers of the darkness. If there is the darkness, there must also be the light. You see that? I am the light of the world, saith Jesus. It's a, contradic it's, a, it's a contrast between the darkness. There are rulers in the darkness. There must also be rulers of the light. John 1 verse 5 will teach it like this. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness could not comprehend, seize, or take hold of the light. The light is always strong, stronger than the darkness. The issue is not the potency of the light. The issue is the obedience of the light bearers. It's never the potency. It's not, oh, God, God's not working. God's not. No, God is always working. The issue is whether or not the light bearers, the salt, if we have lost our savor or if we have buried our lamps against spiritual wickedness. One translation says wicked spirits. And they're lodged. Where are they? First of notice it didn't say that they're in people. They will try to get there. But their first destination is high places, mountains, altars, or race places. If you want to go so far, I will challenge you. And disciplines of life, and industries, and corporations, and entertainment, and athletics, and economics, and government and education can i keep going that's where they sit to direct this life if they sit there ruling the darkness to fight this fight the light has to sit there as well so you see the light cannot sit in sanctuaries and say we're changing the world would you say amen for me this morning? The light cannot sit in sanctuaries and convince ourselves that we are changing the world on Sunday morning. I think Sunday morning gives us marching orders for Monday morning. And Monday morning is when I really become a Christian. That's really when I come alive. When God turns me loose in the world and that's where he wants his power to be seen. It would be something if the power of God was demonstrated in your office, eh? Wouldn't it be something? It would be something if you just began to speak in tongues right by your desk. Not loud, but enough to change the atmosphere of the office. It would be something if people ran to you if they were sick at work. Because that's where God wants to work to take place so let, let's go a little further now let's do a deeper look at these things what we said last time is mountains what they are in the bible so you're reading the bible you come across mount moriah you come across mount zion you come across mount ararat 
And those are literal mountains, yes, in the Old Testament. But on a deeper level, they're figures of some things. They're symbols of high places. This story here in Numbers chapter 22, Balak wants to curse Israel. They're coming across the desert, heading into the promise. When you read the Bible in the Old, put yourself there. As you're heading toward the promise, the enemy sees you coming, he's afraid. And he will do everything in his power to stop you. Balak summons Balaam. You remember that guy? The sorcerer from Midian. Here comes Balaam. But to see Israel, Balaam has to go up into the high place. From the high place, the enemy can see your vulnerabilities. He can see you clearly. And he can also dispatch his devices from the high place. Significant to understand. We'll flesh that a little further. High places or altars are ultimately where the world is ruled from. I know there are world leaders that believe that, you know, we make decisions, and they do to some degree on some levels. But I'm going to make a bold statement. The world is governed in the spirit realm first. Do you agree with that? What happens in the spirit realm determines what happens in the natural. I am promising you that. I know we're in Canada and sometimes we know all the spirits, oh, this is not Africa, this is not the Caribbean, all you spirits, spirits. But trust me on that. What happens in the unseen world is what directs the realities of the seen world. So altars, and I will show you this in a minute, Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. The high place that they were building for a specific purpose. So remember this, what happens in the spirit directs the world. It doesn't mean that you don't have things to do practically, but your instructions come first from the spirit, and then you move those instructions into the natural. That's called manifestation. One more thing, watch this. Satan, whether you know this or not, you have to go to Ezekiel 28. Satan comes from a mountain, and he lodges in mountains. When Ezekiel describes him, Ezekiel describes him, Satan quickly, quick uh, course in demonology. He is a fallen angel, specifically a cherub. And a cherub in the Bible has a designation and a responsibility. It's a high-ranking angel responsible for guarding the throne of God. And we know there's other stories about because he's around the throne of God, therefore worship is required. So God builds into him music, pipes, horns, tablets, all those kind of things. And people have gone to say he no doubt would have directed the worship of heaven quite likely. But he is an anointed cherub. But Ezekiel goes on to teach us that he was in the mountain of God. He was in the first Eden of God. The Eden that existed on the earth was a replica of an Eden that existed someplace else. Did you follow what I'm saying? When God creates things, he creates them from replicas that exist already in eternity. Do you know that you are a replica of something that exists in eternity? Yes, you are a replica of God. <laughs> Let us make man in our and after our so Moses builds a tabernacle based on the image of the one that is in eternity. Satan was there in a high place. You don't understand. I don't understand high places the way he understands it. And at times, because of our Western intellectualism, we tend to just brush him off. Paint him in pictures as the, you know, dragon with horns and you guys believe in a devil. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. You know why we do? Because we can see his works all around us. We can see his, his, watch, his fingerprint is on many lives, in many communities, 
and though he may hide in the darkness, we can see his works openly. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Help me with that. Say that. Say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Say it again. Say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. That's Jude. And that's what we've got to begin to find ways practically to rebuke his devices. In the, in the book of 1 John, the Bible teaches us that the Son of God was manifested so that he might destroy the works of the devil. That destroying the works of the devil becomes now the assignment of the church. The mothership taking us home. All right? Now watch this statement. Everyone in this world is taught by or led by spirit. Not me, pastor. I'm an intellectual. Everyone in this world is taught by, led by a spirit. You just got to decide which one. Everyone. Even the people that don't know that they're being led by. Because that's the greatest deception. To lead someone and they don't know you're leading them. And to convince them that they're really making their own decisions when you're behind the scenes moving all the levers. May I suggest to you that Satan is the, perhaps the quintessential puppet master. Means people don't even know that he's pulling their levers. Let me prove this to you that everyone is taught by, by, by spirit. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 22, Ahab, God is angry with him. He wants to fight a battle, but God is angry with him and God wants him to fall in the battle. So there's a picture that Micaiah the prophet sees of the courts of heaven. All the spirits have gathered before God. We don't have time to talk about that, but I could tell you that every spirit on the planet is subject to God. Every spirit in the unseen world is subject to God. Satan works for God. That's a good place to say amen. I didn't make that up. Satan works for God. This is part of God's sovereignty that no one is outside of his employment. So all these spirits come together and God says, I, I need a spirit to go down and deceive Ahab. Who will go? Spirit puts up his hand and says, I, I, I will go. God says, well, how, how will you do it? The spirit says to God, I will go and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And God says to the spirit, go and prosper. And all the prophets that begin to prophesy, they don't even realize that a lying spirit is coming out of their mouths. That's one place where you see humanity whether they know it or not, being taught and being led by spirits. You and I know this to be true, don't we? The Holy Spirit that lives within us, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. When he comes into the believer, what, what's his main job? To teach us, to lead us. And the reality is that we're supposed to be taught first and foremost by the Spirit. This is how you can correct false teaching. Because not everything we learn in this life is true. The Holy Spirit comes to decipher. Don't listen to that. Go here. Remember I taught you this. Bring to our remembrance all the things that he has taught us. Further on. People who don't love God, serve God. Do you know what works in them? Paul says there is a spirit. It's called the spirit of disobedience. That works in the children of disobedience. He begins by saying, and you hath he quickened who were dead, trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to this. It's that same spirit that works in the children of disobedience. Everyone is taught by spirit. 
Even those that don't know that they're taught by Spirit. Here's the final one. This just settles it. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they can claim sonship. Every one of us were taught by Spirit. It just behooves us now to make sure that we're being taught by the right Spirit. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Unbelievers, this is my statement coming out of the first one. Unbelievers are better students than believers. Now, I'm not, I'm not indicting. I'm just telling you, you know why? And this is Luke 16, verse 8. I didn't make it up. Jesus said this. They're better students. You know why? Because whatever they're being taught, they put it into practice. That's why he says that, watch, the children of this world, they are, he didn't say smarter. If he said smarter, he would have been, challenge, he would have been challenging intellect. They're not smarter. No one is smarter than you. There's no, there's no such thing as, he's smarter than me. You are smart as you give yourself to development. He doesn't put it in the realm of intelligence. He says they are wiser. Wisdom is the ability to apply what you are being taught. The Holy Spirit is teaching us, but we fall down in the area of application. One of the reasons why we fall down in the area of application is our understanding of God starts and ends at the door of the sanctuary. So we will apply certain things. We will worship hard here. But he's teaching you, watch, worship hard everywhere. Did you follow what I'm saying? So we will fall down in these areas. They will apply. That's why you will see them getting the results that you see in life. The result does not mean that God is pleased with them. The result simply means that God is no respecter of persons. But he is a respecter of principles. So what do we want? We want to follow the Holy Spirit when he's teaching us. And then we want to apply. Put it into practice. And if it doesn't work today, wait on it. How do you wait on it? Water it. How do you water it? Speak to it. I'm waiting on this that I put in the ground. Application is a seed that you put in the ground. And as you water it, faith begins to cause it to sprout. But I'm waiting on what I put into practice. And then Mount Zion which is really the church in the New Testament. The Mount Zion of the Old is the church of the New Testament. It is the place from which the world should be ruled. I think that's a beautiful calling. Would you say amen to that? That God would rule the world through the church. And then when you do the, the assessment, you say, well, we're not doing a very good job ruling the world. So that's part of the analysis. We're not, we're supposed to, because Mount Zion is supposed to be the joy of the whole earth. It's supposed to be beautiful for situation. It's supposed to be a place where even the kings of the earth pass by and they begin to tremble at the power, the glory, the authority of Mount Zion. There is a, a spiritual truth that needs to be taught. There is a reason why there are so many nations fighting for Jerusalem. I've been to Jerusalem. I don't think Jerusalem is any better than California, LA, in my opinion. But there's something deeper at work that the enemy has been fighting for Mount Zion, both in the natural and in the spirit. So let's go just a little further now. Here's something I like. Daniel teaches us that God's mountain is coming again. 
I think I'm going to kind of wind down here. I wish I had more time. But Daniel says, the mountain of God, the high place of God, the church is rising. You have to go home and read Daniel chapter 2. I'll give you a few verses. He says there was a time when there was iron, and there was a time when there was brass and gold. But ultimately, all these kingdoms are going to be broken. And what's going to be left, he said, the stone is going to become a great mountain, and it's going to fill the whole earth. That's what he saw. God told him to seal up the book. And then he says, in the days of those kings... The God of heaven shall set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. It shall not be left to other people, but it's going to break in pieces. It's going to consume all other kingdoms and it's going to stand forever. I'll pause and tell you this and we'll do the rest next week. I, I just, time doesn't allow to do all the parts. But when we talk about Mount Zion, I want you to know this. It is the high place that the devil fights vehemently I want you to be aware of this don't be surprised as a believer if you find that on a constant basis you're constantly being attacked in different ways the devil fights Mount Zion vehemently he fights you in psychological ways so that you'll be depressed and never get up I never realized that no, I don't have time to be depressed there's a world that's waiting on me he fights you in emotional ways so that you start thinking that you're not that, eh, maybe I'm not that good of a person. And you spend all your days focusing inwardly on yourself. But the greatest fight that I've seen the enemy do against the body, Mount Zion, he fights the credibility of the church. Every time you see some public exposure, some leader, some member, some, something, it's the credibility of the church that's really at stake the enemy is not foolish to think that people aren't smart enough to know that it's okay for you and I to make mistakes that's not really what he's after the fact that you made a mistake if you make a mistake as a believer just stand up and say I made a mistake it's just that simple I'm telling you it's just it's not deep it's not spirit it's not I made a mistake and everyone on the planet whether they agree with you or not will understand because they have also made that's really not what he's after that you made a mistake he's after how we do what we do and at the level that we do what we do because what he does not want is for people to trust Mount Zion to trust that Mount Zion listen is credible it's valuable I need what they have I can be a part of that. I will invest my life and my time in that. So he makes it seem like it's a joke. That's why people don't like me for one reason. I don't believe that we should be about nonsense. Not, not because I've got an axe to grind. The credibility of Mount Zion, the highest place, is at stake. So don't, don't pick up something from Mount Zion and just ah, do it anyway. Come anytime. Do it. No, people are going to say they're not competent. They don't know what they're doing. I'm not going to invest my time, my life in that. And all of a sudden, you're working twice as hard to convince people to become a part of the greatest mountain 
that exists on the planet. Sisters and brothers, tonight, and I'm not rushing because of it, but tonight is the Super Bowl. I'm not trying to get you out of here because I need to go see it, no. And when I was doing my studies, I thought I reflected on that because one of the mountains I'm going to talk to you about that next week is, is Eden, a high place. A river flowed out of the garden. Rivers flowed topographically from high places to low places. Eden was a high place. Place of pleasure. And I said to myself, look at that. Do you know, this is more of an aside, that I'm told that the tickets for tonight's event, they start at $5,000. And up, that's the low-end ticket for that stadium that they just built in Inglewood, SoFi Stadium. I promise you there will not be an empty seat tonight. I promise you there will be no one talking about, oh, I got to pay $5,000, I'm a taxpayer. I promise you that. I know Christians right now that have told me that they can't wait to see the halftime show. I'm going to watch it myself too. I don't know. <laughs> you, can play, you, yeah, you, you, you guys can play around and watch it at home. I'm, I'm watching it myself. That's the power of those mountains to draw people in. The guys who are doing the halftime show you know them, Snoop, Dr. Dre, Mary J, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem. I know them. I know them. They did a teaser. They did a teaser. A week and a half ago, 12 million people have watched the teaser. I can't find any Christian broadcast that week or half ago that 12 million people have watched. It's time for Zion to rise. Do you not feel it? I was saying to Elder Peter that people are coming from everywhere with different needs. Satan is attacking because the mountain of God is rising. In like manner, I'm going to ask you as we close the service, rise on your feet. Let me give you some quick instructions, even at home. God's mountain is rising. You play a strategic part in the rising of that mountain. If you didn't, he would not have saved you in this generation. You are a critical, integral piece of the stone that was cut out without hands. It's time for you to rise now. I'm not telling you not to feel anything. I'm not telling you that you're not going to go through anything. I'm not telling you that you may not suffer loss. I'm not going to tell you that the enemy is not going to come at you. But I am going to tell you that you cannot die. You are going to live. And you're going to see the goodness of God. In the land of the living. Come on team. I want you to throw your hands in the air. Even at home. That's a sign. I am rising in my discipline, in my calling, in my assignment. I will not take no for an answer. Ye are the head, not the tail. Ye are above only. Ye are not beneath. The Lord is with us. And if God be for us, Talk to yourself today. If God be for us in this world, come on, talk to yourself. Come on, the righteous are as bold as a lion. 
Stop being timid now. Shake yourself, Samson. Shake yourself, Samson. Shake yourself, Samson. Shake yourself, Samson. Arise, Zion, awake, Zion, awake. Take 30 seconds and give God a mighty praise. Give him a mighty praise. Shake the foundations of the earth. Give him a mighty praise.